welcome to another Saturday episode of the Fantastic Book Club. I'm Swastik. And I'm Tanisha. And today I'm going to continue reading through Cinder, the first book in the Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Meyer. Enjoy! So today we are starting with chapter 20. Uh, I guess before starting the chapter, I should like recapitulate what happened in the past chapters. So basically, Emperor Rikan of the Eastern Commonwealth passed away. Cinder came to know about that she is a lunar as well as a cyborg. And mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty much it. And also we come to know that Livana is coming to Earth who is like the most evil person on the entire series. I I don't know about the series, but I am pretty sure that she's the most evil person or the antagonist of the first book. So she has arrived in chapter 20. (laughs) Yeah. The way this chapter starts though, like I have, I'm like genuinely speculating whether Livana is an Indian or like, is she specifically Bangali? Because like, Okay, the chapter starts. With, <laughs> just, just listen to this line. Finally, when the queen seems to have grown tired of making them suffer. So like, just for setting the scene, Levana's spacecraft had arrived on Earth, like in the courtyard of the palace or something like that, whatever the hell. So like, it's, it's, it's just so... It's not big. It's like a small one. Like it just looks like a private sc- a spacecraft, but it's like super bright, like bright, like uh, the scorching <laughs> white hot bright. And it it's so bright that it hurts to look at it. I mean, okay. And I wrote this down. They are lunars, not solars. Why is everything so bright and white and golden and bright? Uh, uh, but yeah. No, if you practically look at it, like uh, the spacecraft is kind of like symbolic to the entire lunar thing going on. Like they also have, you know, the glamour thing for them and they can look like so beautiful that actually Kai says it later in the story that they look uh, so beautiful that it uh, hurts to look at them. And yeah, so it's kind of like yeah. the same thing going on for the spacecraft. That kind of makes sense. Maybe the spacecraft is also like has its own glamour, something like artificially prepared that <laughs> something. Anyways, <laughs> so, the is different. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so like Livana, being the most Bangali that she is, she like takes a sweet time to stay part of the spacecraft, and like she delays, and everyone is waiting for her, and then she decides to put a royal step down the staircase and like she arrives and weirdly enough as soon as Levana like comes out of the spacecraft and everything people are like suddenly like taking it back and like it's weird like it's not just a vibe it's like literally wavelengths of power that is main emanating 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 I guess emitting emitting Emitting, emitting from her. Like it's it it's so crazy. Like people can feel her presence without looking at her, just with the glamour power that she has. But so like she steps down. And this 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 moment is just so cinematic, but okay. So Sybil, uh Sybil, whatever the hell her name was. Yeah. that horrible uh, second name whatever the hell she has so Sybil like steps (laughs) forward uh, like bows and stuff and says that she has missed her uh, she did miss her queen and whatever and then she like straightens her back like and like unveils uh, Livara in such a cinematic way and like so smoothly and it's just uh, it it might be some weird, but I just uh, relate with uh, this certain scene from Bahubali, like the scene. You remember Tanisha when, like, uh, there was this scene when the princess was fighting those um, 
I don't know where the Kalaki is, where they just looted us or whatever. I like Bahubali and uh, Katappa were in the forest uh, in disguise, and prince and mask the prince taking off. Yeah, it, it was not okay. a mask. It was like parda, and she like with her sword, she just cut the parda, and her like uh, the face uh, was just. Yeah, and that was the moment Bahubali saw her face for the first time, and he was like taken aback. Oh, and, oh. yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just so yeah. cinematic. Yeah, that that moment. I mean, I just remember uh, being in the cinema hall, and I was like, "Whoa, that was epic!" Like I did not. I, I, this you were in the movie hall. That is the reason you remember more vividly. Yeah, I mean, eh. It might be an unpopular opinion on my part, but I did not love every part of Bahubali. But there are some parts like this that I just love. Like, ah, oh, those were so majestic and cinematic and royal and whatever. You know, this grand <laughs> cinematic style. Sybil unveils her, and suddenly her beauty is showcased to the entire Eastern Commonwealth. And um, to Kai, she appears as breathtakingly beautiful and like. Ha. I mean, it's. Uh, I don't know. I just. I understand where Kai is coming from because, like, uh, Levana has a power, and to like, as you said before, like she can literally Photoshop mm. her face in real life and project it to other people's <laughs> eyes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's what glamour is, right? Mm. Yeah. So. She she can do this stuff and make people feel things when they are actually not feeling it. And Kai does his best to resist her, but at the same time, she feels this attraction. Like he wants to be associated with her, to belong to her in this way. And like I don't know what I feel, but this feels like false emotions when your brain, when your emotions lie to you. That's like the worst thing that can happen to oneself. Like, yeah, oh my god. Like that- hypnotized but understanding that you're being hypnotized like i don't think any can anything can suck more yeah even for being hypnotized like you need to give your consent to the hypnotizer in this case there's no question of a consent it's like literally like either you hold on to that last straw that you have of control over yourself or you just are just swept away by this tide of power that this glamour of lunar has it's just so cruel but at the same time i don't know it's just so much relatable like that i don't know why is it relatable i just find it so relatable it's like see i don't know if everyone feels this at some point of their life because i feel it certainly at points it comes like with the college work and the podcast recording and like uh, and all the other stuff that goes on in one's life might i say they, it it's not even just for us it's like for everyone is out there it's something happens in their life and sometimes people feel tired sometimes people feel that they can't take it anymore and like it's just one incident can send them over the edge and like that's what i feel like i can relate to like i've given the control to the harsh reality that's there and i'm just trying to grasp onto something the last straw that i can to just i can't oh my god it's just that's the way it's mm. ah uh, that is that <laughs> that is that i tearing up oh my god Oh my god. Let's speak about things that are too different. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like in a weird sensitive mood since some time. Ah. <laughs> that is so cute and nice. Anyways. I feel bad for Kai. I feel deeply for Kai. But then Kai does something so epic and like so ah, I just love him for this. Okay. So Kai like looks at Levana and the Levana's glance changes a bit and like Kai literally feels this love potion flowing through his veins kind of way but <laughs> yeah it, it he literally feels like that but then he mm. manages to like dig his nails into his palm and the pain helps him to return to this reality and he like just shakes the control 
of Livana off of him. And I love Kai for doing that. Like, I just, oh my. This might be uh, something like incredibly weird that I'm saying, but do you think in any way this can be a representation of self-harm? Like, I don't know. The, uh, a lot of times, uh, I think you know what self-harm means. Ah, uh, yeah. I guess it, you do. Like, yeah. And it literally might be. I think this is a be. very... Ah. Like, sometimes you don't feel in control and you are trying to find some control in anything. And if you can't just grasp, you know, the mental, mental control over yourself, you just decide to, I don't know, take some control in your hands. And I just felt that in a weird way that... Is, is a very subtle way to indicate that. And I don't know, like, this might be completely wrong. This might be something just she just wanted to do, but just felt like that. I, it, it reminded me of that. So, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it makes sense. And it, as I said, it's relatable on so many levels for so many people, I guess. But yeah, we love Kai for <laughs> not losing control, not losing his hope. And yeah, so like, he uses uh, that tactics to like basically come back to reality and see Levana for who she is. And just, it's not just us, even Torin is proud. The person who like doesn't even <laughs> showcase his emotions. Like even he said, like, I'm kind of proud of you. Like he, though he added that you registered her, you registered her, you registered her well, your highness. I know. It was difficult. And he like, but he also said that it's going to get more difficult. But at the same time, like he said it, he accepted it. And I just love that, you know, like people need to be. Let's pat Kai. Yeah, we are all patting Kai on his back. He has a back, sore back right now. Anyways. (laughs) Anyways, so that was the line that I chose. You register her well, your highness. I know it was difficult. And that line, like, yeah, it makes sense as the name of the chapter. I mean, it does. To me, at least. Ah. <laughs> it does. So, moving on to chapter 21. So, this is what I'm naming this chapter 21. A lot's happened since you've been out. Uh, it's kind of short and it's kind of random, but it would make sense at the end. Like, it's literally... I'm. I'm like literally choosing the last sentences of each chapter and naming the chapter after that. But it just makes so much sense. Like without just the numbers and just naming the chapters would make so much sense. Mm. Anyways, so starting with the chapter. So Cinder is back in the apartment. Very much troubled still by the fact that she's a cyborg as well as a Luna. Like Audrey has been acting weird and she has been... Like, literally, Cinder is trying to kind of escape the weird feelings that she has right now. Because, like, you know, the fact that she is a lunar, but she doesn't have power at the same time. And the fact that Adri had actually sent her to this cyborg draft, like, literally planning on killing her. But she had returned (laughs) with no harm done to her. And at the same time, Peony being in the camp, like... It's just so much complex, so many complex emotions is going through her. It just makes sense that at one point she would try to escape it. Like, okay, about uh, you know Adri, I would like to uh, I would like to make a very strange you know comparison. I don't know, like uh, I w- I told you like I was watching a few crime documentaries and one of uh, the cases was dealing with somebody you know burying two people alive. Like they just dropped the alive people there and just put soil on their on the open grave and whatever like uh-huh. and so the crafts kind of associated it with not just hatred but with disgust like uh, you are killing somebody but you're completely dissociating from the process of them dying oh. that is not just you being hateful or something it is also you being uh i don't know a feeling that you shouldn't like they are too lonely for you to actually do something you know so it is just uh, you completely pulling yourself back from the entire scene. And I just feel like Adri did that too. Like, didn't she? Yeah, I mean... Like she is technically killing her, but but she's not at the same time. Like, it is strange. He's more like sending her away to die. Yeah, like, I... Wow. <laughs> I mean, keep on watching crime documentaries, Tanisha. It would make so much <laughs> sense to decipher Adri's character. It, 
<laughs> yeah so whatever so adri being a horrible person she has been acting weird like now adri i don't know if she is she is even capable of feeling the emotion of guilt but she has been acting weird kind of because um i don't know even why anyways so cinder just i mean as i said it would make sense at one point if she tries to escape her emotions because they are just so complex at this point in this book already she has been like working all day and night and combined with the emotional baggage and like just to detach herself from this world and like trying not to feel the complexity of all the emotions that she is flowing through swimming through i don't even know but yeah so like she's 16 oh man she's 16 ah i just need to keep reminding me that she is 16 i can't mm. oh man anyhow so she's in this uh the workshop team she's not in the workshop she's like in the uh basement work area that she has and like on the table and she like she she sees nancy on the table and she decides she needs a distraction and for her mechanics it is i mean might i just add it can't <laughs> be more diffi- different from what i would choose as my distraction like seriously physics as a distraction oh man anyways um, <laughs> oh i hate physics as you are studying physics i hate you uh, i feel attacked <laughs> i know <laughs> i know Okay. So this asmas I hate Cinder for that one reason. The next moment I'm just <laughs> loving this story because Eco comes in. I like uh Eco again with all her cuteness capability like just on the full on Eco meter. Like she's like she has this is kind of sad. It is kind of emotional but just let's get on with it. She has this peony's ribbon still tied to her. And, and let's just try not to look at that in a more emotional way and look at the whole perspective she is basically dressed in adri's pearl necklace and she has smeared lipstick on her plate just to oh, draw this lips oh man she looks, looks so cute i can't like uh, you know eco's personality is like that one of a pageant queen and uh, she is like she would be she would do so yeah. good as a real human being but like uh, i don't know like when i think about cuteness i generally associate it with chubby cheeks and i don't know fluffy hair but she has none of those still she's so cute like ah, she yeah. her personality is so good so um and like with all this cuteness in her pocket like eco comes into the room <laughs> and she's like i mean what <laughs> she says next is kind of sad but so she says that adri was crying in the shower and eco kind of felt useless i mean i okay this layers to this first of all adri crying it's itself a very weird uh, imagery i mean i don't mean to say that just because some, someone is cruel that person doesn't have emotions but when a person is cruel and doesn't pay heed to others emotions you tend not to pay too much attention to, to that person's emotion because that person doesn't care mm-hmm. about others emotions so It's kind of weird to be caring about Adri's emotions for me but I definitely feel when a person is crying in the shower that person deserves a hug but She I'm not going to hug Adri. Ah. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah, even if uh, for Cinder yeah. like she knows Bianca you know, for 5 years at this point. So of course they are close but Adri literally gave birth to her. She grew her up. So yeah. you know peony would mean even more to her if you think about it in a certain way yeah that makes kind of sense so adri is sad and eco well as i said it has layers to this eco is feeling useless according to sendo what she says next that although eco has a very uh, a typical personality chip inserted into her which makes eco eco and not just any other uh, android but eco still is a android in her core and so like uh, the emotions that she feels feeling useless is the worst of her 
all those emotions according to sender or at least what she tells us isn't and, that for isn't that true for us also like that yeah i mean what to i mean yeah also like uh i feel like we value our values more like we want to be feel seen more and not used more you know like but okay so if uh, let me i uh, get this straight because when i think about being useful i don't think about a person just being used you know like quote unquote used but uh, if uh, a person is not useful to another person uh, so isn't the person who isn't useful is using the other person like i mean uh, when that we talk sense. about any any relationship yeah. like starting from family relation to friendships to romantic anything like literally any relationship both people should bring something to the plate right to make it right new. yeah it makes sense yeah 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 i you completely have to agree be with you useful yeah. to each other ha it makes sense and yeah. if uh, like even if uh, somebody is not trying to use the other person if they are not bringing anything to the plate it is literally just one person serving the entire dish you are eating what the other person brought you without uh, giving anything and that is bad too that's it, not it can just be different bad ratios it doesn't have to uh, be 50-50 but i mean if just one person is serving it all then the cook as well as the a uh, consumer both would not feel satisfied i mean it would just be like right. what the hell is going on <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i do agree with you right now completely so <clears throat> she feels useless and like feeling useless because you can't help someone when they are facing some terrible emotions that's okay that's kind of very relatable but yeah so we want to pat audrey and eco at the same time right now and cinder does a good job at that i mean she doesn't pat audrey or whatever but she does try she, to audrey would kill her if she tried <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, so uh she kind of uh, tries to distract eco and she says yeah you can help me with uh, fixing nancy and whatever and like that's when eco starts babbling about prince kai all over again and uh, i just uh, Okay, so fangirl Eco makes a very cool statement. She wonders if Nancy had seen Kai in the nude, and oh man, I just oh ah uh, ah uh, that image. Oh man, and Cinder is like, "You're not helping. You're not helping." <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, man. oh my god. Oh. Like, just think about if all our androids had personality chips and how oh, <laughs> I can't do it. Oh man, oh. it is just so bad. <laughs> okay, God. So <laughs> after Ego had pointed that out, Cinder is like, "Let me just work on this stuff," and she like, uh, tried to diagnose what was wrong with Nancy, and. because she could not find something in the hardwares uh like from the outside she came to the conclusion that something might be wrong in the software and so she required to do something called plugging in which is like connecting her circuits with that of the android and she doesn't like to do that and whatever and so when she was going to about to do that and she opened the control panel of the android eco because she's like so tiny and she notices the smallest thing oh before i even start just describe what's going on right here let me just uh like share this small memory that i have so i just remember once i went to the supermarket when i was like, like so little like i don't even know 7 8 years of age or whatever so i went to the supermarket along with my parents and we were buying like the groceries and whatever and there was this certain oh man this biscuit okay so this biscuit chocolate chip biscuit <laughs> which was uh, the company's name is happy happy and i just discovered that biscuit from a rack which was under a full uh, like what is it a showcase of soaps like it was just placed somewhere which it wasn't meant to be placed and it was when a my parents thought it was it must have been expired or something like something might be wrong because a biscuit tray wouldn't be placed under a tray of soaps right so we checked it we definitely like 
we did all the checks what was supposed to be done and we and we even asked one of the workers there and they were like no it's okay you can dig it from there and so i collected it and that biscuit became my favorite for the next 10 years or whatever so like i just ah this is smallest things that you can notice you just tend to find that biscuit kind ah, of <laughs> like oh and and the fact because i found that biscuit because i was small and my height wasn't too big like i wasn't tall at the time and so like i could notice things which were like other people couldn't notice because they were tall enough and others <laughs> couldn't like that just adds to the flavor of it so it same happens for eco uh, she's like this tiny little creature the cutest you can put her in your pocket kind of cute and like she notices no, no you can't <laughs> Okay. Whatever. Don't do that. <laughs> she won't like it. <laughs> so, uh Eco notices this um chip thing which is plugged inside the control panel of this I mean this Android as a 9C and Cinder when she does this uh I mean when she like observes it closely she discovers that this is a direct communication chip which was an absolute thing in though in that era now okay so let's just get into this uh, direct, direct communication thing i i'm going to tell what i understand from this so okay comms and video comms i guess are like uh, just the way of like sending texts or emails more in the email format or whatever and video emails or whatever like it's basically like video messages and voice messages and mails and something like that so that's how i think of comms as for direct com, com chips things uh as it was described in the story it's very obsolete because it doesn't make sense because if you are sending comms from one device to another you can just send it through the internet and like basically wireless communication you don't need to transport it through uh chip or something or a device uh, just program for that because number one it can get lost on the way like it's just not convenient but here sender like because she knows at this point that 9c contains some information that kai needs at this point because it it's like to apprehend that 9c contains such important political information that kai needs and so this is what sender thinks the direct communication chip is used for because it's like such an obsolete thing people would not think that it is there in 9c and they would like it's basically to maintain the secrecy of the information that's what i think it is, and, is uh, it? okay uh, i i would uh, add one more thing like if you go through the entire series you would see that direct communication chip is probably in all probability is un- it is uh, one of the things that is untraceable like you cannot trace it oh. other things can be traced by the government but it is one of those things like if you send a text the whatsapp uh, you know the people working in whatsapp yeah. can see it but but yeah that does that's uh, it's what happens with the comms too but not with direct communication because that is literally direct you know ah, <laughs> makes sense yeah so yeah so it's uh, the secrecy level is high in here so yeah. <laughs> she, so she detaches the communication chip from the android because 9c was an old model of an android so this is what said the things happened that the communication chip was incorporated into the android and she was transforming this either she was transmitting the information or whatever something happened which overloaded the android and uh, some mis something went wrong with the bandwidth of 9c and so she basically just got turned off and whatever and so like uh, she just sender decided to take off the, uh, like take out the direct communication chip and she connects it to a net screen and eco has to leave <laughs> because i mean at this point uh, eco says that i got to hurry because adri has got out of the, of the shower and she's coming me and eco has to leave and this is the point when cinder reminds her that take off the pearls uh, don't just remove the lipstick and whatever and eco just plants a cute goodbye kiss on her cheek and eco cinder just laughs and uh, we love this scene but yeah it doesn't remain so cute all the time because soon enough 
Nancy comes back to life and she like just spills <laughs> so much information about Princeline like she literally says that uh, there was this man named uh, Logan Tanner who was a lunar doctor who worked under the reign of Queen Shannery like she like he had brought princess Celine to earth approximately 4 months after her alleged death like it oh man it just clarifies clearly that princess Celine is alive and i'm just i'm just again going with my theory that princess celine cinder is princess celine i just i i can't shake it off right now like just remember oh. just <laughs> so <coughs> like just imagine if cinder is princess celine and she is coming to know that she is princess celine in this way like she doesn't know that she is princess celine and this information won't tell her that but just imagine that if she is princess celine and in the future that she can connect the dots that that was the point i could have guessed that i was princess cuz i don't even know at this point but what <laughs> like uh, the foreshadowing in life does that happen though like have you ever had foreshadowing of future in your life i don't, I don't think, think that happens irl i definitely don't think it happens irl yeah no <laughs> so um yeah, i just yeah so uh cinder like is just wow <laughs> and like uh <laughs> and nancy like continues with her saying that tano had committed this i mean okay trigger alert uh bioelectric induced suicide which i understand because lunars and whatever have this bioelectric control and but still that's a very fancy kind of suicide if even if it is that was a dark humor which i tried to make it humorous but it wasn't humorous at all anyways i'm so sorry um so <laughs> okay um so this person had died and princess celine is yeah. under the guardianship guardianship is that a word guardianship yeah Yeah, good. So she she is under the guardianship of another being, and like literally, it's just clearly expressed that she is alive. That's what I wanted. So that's happened, and Cinder is like, stop, stop talking, <laughs> because I mean, obviously, it's overloading her system. Literally, like so much of weird stuff she's just getting to know about. Oh, okay. So Nancy, then she comes back to her senses completely, and she's like, "Whoa, where the hell am I here?" And then this Cinder and Nancy have a pleasant talk, and I mean, Nancy uses her uh, GPS coordinates or whatever and understands where she is. Cinder says that Kai has given Nancy to her to fix her for her for him, and like that's where this chapter about ends. And <clears throat> Cinder says that I'm going to take you to the palace because. the prince had asked me to do that as soon as i can and this is when she says try to uh, do some internet research and whatever because a lot's happened since you have been out it's it, it makes so much sense again the last chapter the last lines make so much sense as the name of the chapters okay okay moving on to chapter 22 so might i just add this chapter is like oh this I don't know why is it so. I love this chapter, like the chapter twenty-two. I this is one of those chapters that I loved in a while. Like, okay, it's it's kind of this drama. There's this certain emotions. There's definitely symbolism that I'm going to decipher right now. But there's also this thriller kind of way. Oh my god, that's this fantasy, the whole fantasy level thing. Okay, let's just start with the chapter. So. Cinder takes Nancy to the palace, but on her way is met by like thousands of other Eastern Commonwealth citizens who are going in the same direction. I mean, Cinder doesn't understand that at the first moment. Then it's clearly expressed because they are carrying these banners, and when they are saying these words, and she can understand that. Basically, the fact that Levana is arriving on Earth, and they do not like that. they hate lavana and they're protesting and that's what's going on so sender who is like trying to 
get through the crowd along with Nayansi is trying to rush to the palace while there's this crowd and thing. Like it's literally, it's a literal plot of a thriller movie. Like I don't have words. It's just so, so perfect. Uh, I mean, I don't know why this <laughs> reminds uh, me how of... How is it a thriller? Okay. So like <laughs> you're trying to go through this crowd when you have to act on emergency because you have to do something very fast, but you just can't run through the crowd because it's not possible. Have you seen Kahani, Tanisha? The movie Kahani? No. Like, oh no. man, it was such a, it was, it is such a good movie. I told movie. you I watch very few movies. So Kahani, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but there was this uh, uh, specific scene. Like, you know how uh, West Bengali is very poorly depicted in the Bollywood films? Or yeah. Kolkata and Bangalis. So, like, yeah, yeah, I know. Every now and then, there is some sprinkling of Bangalis in the Bollywood films. But this yeah, Kahani, they, was... they just eat and say, uh, "Have hello, acho." <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, Kahani was a Bollywood film which was based on Kolkata, and it was a hit. Oh, and it was a hit, and not only I that, know it was a hit, but I didn't know anything else. It. Oh my God, Kahani was not only just based on Kolkata, but it was based on Kolkata during Durga Puja. Like it lit, it, oh man, it was just, it was a thriller movie and it's, oh. Anyways, so in Kahani, there is this one particular scene where this, uh, like a police chase is happening on whatever and like uh, they're trying to find this woman. But the, who is like the protagonist of the whole story and she like, uh, she has to escape the police and there's this, the Bhashan uh, crowd is there and people are like uh, in, engaged in the Shidur Khala and uh, the way I'm pronouncing these words though, it almost sounds like I'm not Bangali. So, people are playing this. Is doing Shidur this. Khala. Shidur Khala. So, uh, this woman just uh, takes like this fistful of Shidur and just lays it on her face and she's wearing this white sari. So like, so like she camouflages into the crowd. And the police who are trying to chase her, they just take a turn in the road and they are just stuck because they're a, a road filled with these white saris and Shidul Lepa women and they just can't decipher her. Like they just can't pick her out of the crowd. And it's just, it's, oh man. Yeah, nobody would be able to. Exactly. That's Shit. The, that's... That is, that is, that is uh, like we do the bottle. Exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. That's this. That's the thriller scene that just came to my mouth, mind. But yeah. Anyways, so oh that's just ah. So Sid is trying to reach the gates, and uh, like uh, when she finally manages to reach the gates, even after like pushing through the crowd and whatever, like she's not allowed in because apparently you need to to get past the gates you need to either have either the pass which is like signed by some royal people or whatever or mm-hmm. you need to have this id chip which has like which has been registered for getting you across the gates and stuff so the guard asks sender whether she has the pass and she says she doesn't but nancy immediately says that she has her id chip so she can guess past that but when Sender tries to get past the gate. The, the guard is like, whoa, 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 what the hell are you doing? You can't get past to me. So And Sender is like, but I need to. But because we want to get, how can you? Just let me get past these gates. And guard is like, no, you can't. And <laughs> Sender is like, but I wanna. And there was this such a cute line that there was. Okay, I'm going to read it from the book. Instantly, Sender felt the weight of a silliness. Of course, she didn't need to see the prince. She had delivered the android. Her job was done. And she wasn't really going to bill him for her work anyway. But Nainzi had turned away and rolled off towards the palace's main entrance before Cinder could protest, leaving Cinder trying to come up with a reasonable excuse as to why it was so important to her to see Kai. Something better than the very stupid, very childish reason that she entered her head. She simply wanted to. I mean, it just, it, it's so, uh, it, it's just so simple and it's so cute and it's, ah, uh, it's, ah, uh, it, it hits all the right spots. Like, 
it's uh, there's literally no other reason but just the wanting to see someone that's that's it that's there's no logic to it it's just an emotion that exists i mean yep <sighs> absolutely so she's feeling kind of sad but she doesn't have much of a time gap to process all her emotions as we have seen as a pattern in the past chapters this immediately something <laughs> majestic happens again like <laughs> so the people were like screaming and shouting and kind of protesting and raising banners and like literally flailing their hands around themselves but right at this moment the protest from the street stopped suddenly Levana stood on the terrace and like she is using her glamour and whatever to like literally brainwashing the entire sea of pedestrians like wow like what what wow so like she she even manages to uh, like brainwash sender but kudos to the lie detector that she and the sender has in incorporated within her retina display again that oh my god as i've said before this is the best thing probably that i love about sender being a cyborg like okay so the retina display goes off in her brain and she's like no it's not a lie i just want to see her as my queen i love her and whatever but then it goes off again in in a much stronger way because like when levana's power increased manifold in a wave and whatever so like cinder is like what the hell is going on why is this detector going off then it the word clicked in her brain lies and that's when she shut her eyes and when she reopened them the magic spell cut off from levana i don't know the string that connected levana to cinder just cut off and she managed to see levana who she is like who she is levana was still beautiful but i mean that's a very okay so that was a very uh, symbolic way of saying this because when she was standing there in the streets along with thousands of others millions of others and looking at levana it appeared that levana was smiling in a very generous kind sort of way because like that's what a queen does or that's what the vibe levana wanted to emerge from her or she wanted to come off as this good queen kind of way but when cinder yeah. like removed that image from her eyes the false imagery she saw for levana for who she is the cruel smirk on her face of controlling thousands of people at the same time the power crazy devil that that person is ah uh, yeah ah uh, like uh, yeah i mean also i i mean i'm going to explore this region a little bit more right now but i don't know this is going to get so much more political right now okay you know tanisha when every time just before the elections how the uh, political leaders come up to the streets and ask for the votes and say that i'm going to do this i'm going to do that for the country i'm going to take this country to another international level and the country is going to serve like it's not going to serve us people are, from other countries are going to serve us and like we would be the we would reclaim the throne at the international level and stuff have you ever like i mean I you know, right and yeah <laughs> I uh, have been to proper Kolkata, and I have I where I live is kind of like a suburban kind of place. So if you uh, get anywhere outside the proper Kolkata, you would look at the roads, and you would see that uh, there are a lot of holes and a lot of like mess. Yeah. So just before the elections, people would uh, you know the oh man yeah the person who's on power who's in power would come uh, like that person won't come that person would send workers. to uh, mend all yeah. those things like in a very cheap kind of fashion uh, just before the elections and by the time like one year passes all those uh, cheap materials would wash off and stuff like that would happen like it is basically professional gaslighting that they do exactly exactly like and not only just professional gaslighting just i mean it is it but it's like as it's in the story like it's gaslighting millions citizens of a country it's you can't I mean, even those are the people who gave you the power technically right exactly those are the power who oh, man. brought you gave you everything you have 
you have the luxury because of the money. It is, you know, uh, this reminds me of a very popular poem by Tagore. So he uh, wrote a poem called Bibi Khajami and there was this line out there called and uh, this line, I would like to explain it in, in English. Uh, when you have something, you want more of it. And that is the reason, you know, the power, people who are in power, like they want, they snatch things from the people who don't have anything. Like the people with the bare minimum, they take that away too from the people who are in, like, you know, people in power take everything away. And that is basically the entire thing that happens with even in the modern city, right? There is no yeah. monarch, but it still happens. Exactly. And it's like, I mean, okay, this is where it uh, like hits me so hard. Like, first of all, these people who are supposed to be the representatives of masses of the entire country, they like, it often happens, like at least I'm very uh, used to feeling not only just unrepresented, like trying to not associate with the person who is supposed to be my representative. Because being associated with that person, being the representative of my state is sometimes even so shameful. Like it just, just imagine if you have such a uh, political leader in power and people from other states of India think of you in a certain way because of that political leader. Just imagine what would happen. Like that's that sucks. It, it, and honestly, I would uh, like to add another thing. Like I don't know, things are getting really like a little bit controversial because it's politics and politics is controversial. There are a lot of you know political leaders. Maybe they are not in like the highest rung of the political ladder or whatever. But there are a lot of people who uh, have been in and out of jail a lot of times, and still they are uh, asked to lead people. And I don't know, like, I'm not saying that a person's mistakes should uh, define their entire life, but it is not just their life, it is so many more, and it is, like, giving the wrong information or whatever, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't get it. So, like, I hate when people misuse their power and misuse the power to influence thousands, and the thousands, when they are the citizens of the country that gave you the power i i hate it and the same thing livana mm. does here <laughs> and like so when sender sees livana for herself that's the point when she is like so shook and like kind of even frightened and like i, I don't know i mean obviously when you see the monster for the monster who that person really is you would be frightened and you would be taken aback and so she is and so and the tales the tales Lavana has about her that oh, goes man. around like man. really like yeah. those are poof. and the fact that she's on those earth horror now. Stories. and the fact that she's on earth now and the probable rumor that she's it's going literally to in front of her eyes yeah oh man oh man it's traumatizing literally so like Cinder stumbles back Crap. which immediately grabs Libana's attention like I mean I get it when everyone is in the uniform, is wearing a uniform, the one yellow helmet is going to grab your attention. Very uh, simple logic yeah. that was shown in PK. But yeah, it's it's it works. It works like that. I mean, and that okay. The next line that is accompanied after this, it just hits so hard. The queen's gaze jerked towards them, focusing on Cinder. A wash of surprise flashed over her face. That hatred disgust i mean i don't know how to make an evil character more evil it's literally the all the stages have been accomplished and she is officially the most evil character ever i don't even know uh, like when you look at a person with disgust that's when you are evil that's when you are evil and when the person is not a bad person in reality that, that i i just i just i don't know that's and, you know, uh, at this point, the only thing like Lavina realizes in this situation, I don't know if you know that yet, or, uh, like she just thinks that, uh, okay, that is a uh, shell. And she's like, I hate her just because she's a shell. And again, that is, that oh. happens all the time. Like Amen. people just, 
no why they come from and things like that and they're like i hate people just hate other people people just hate other people because of their a part of their identity that's just sucks that just sucks yeah like yeah you can hate a person because maybe their personality sucks like you can hate that person i allow you that much but anything else i i don't know like how can you hate anybody for anything other than the fact that they might have a very crappy personality like why why would you do that and just not only that after all this like uh when she has caught cinder literally in the act <laughs> and the what happens next is what hits so hard like again like okay so the public with uh so i'm going to read this from the book again with the queen gone cinder expected the crowd to take up their protests again even angrier than she had dared to show herself but they didn't slowly as if sleepwalking the crowd began to depart those with signs let them fall to the ground to be trampled and forgotten it just you are literally controlling people's beliefs and their decisive centers of their brain i oh man this is i can't even this is like so intense right now i i'm And Lavena is like you know a lot of people's glamours are kind of weak, but Lavena is very strong. Like she's yeah. incredibly strong. Like she's a queen. But she's a royal, and yeah, and uh, that is described like anybody with royal blood has that power, you know, to control oh a lot of people. So like that's what Lavena does. Lavena does, and like at the same time, she knows that Cinder exists. that's what it means that levana the queen had seen her and she had known and that was where the chapter ends and that's also where this episode ends that's an excellent cliffhanger that is just loved for this episode anyways so i would definitely like you to check out our other episodes every saturday i come up with the new episode of me reading through cinder the first book of the lunar chronicles which is about like it's half already read at this point and it's like you to check out the past episodes definitely if you have not listened to it and if you have and if you are up to date then i would like you to check out the future episodes as soon as they come and on tuesdays tanisha comes up with her episodes of her reading through the magnus cheese chronicles and she's very she sucks at norse mythology <laughs> not going to lie <laughs> <laughs> that was a low blow <laughs> so yeah and you can surely check out her instagram Twitter, Facebook, all that jazz, and the links are right below. So do that. So this is the end for this episode. Love you and love yourselves. Bye for now. Okay, and have a good life. Bye. 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 Bye.